Welcome to Living Water Radio. This coming Sunday is Reformation Day. Today we're going to consider the way we get to heaven, how we live as Christians in relation to our government, the meaning of work, and things that are just part of our spiritual environment because of the things God did through Martin Luther 504 years ago. And we're even going to find out why beer tastes the way it does today. My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Reformation Day is always October 31st, the day in 1517 when church reformer Martin Luther began the Reformation by nailing 95 theses, or statements for academic debate regarding the corruption of the church of his day, to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. This was not an act of vandalism. The church door was a public bulletin board, and notices were routinely nailed on it. Was there anything significant about October 31st that Luther chose that day to nail the 95 Theses to the church door? Why, yes, there was. All Saints Day, or All Hallows Day, is on November 1st. It's a day to celebrate all the saints. A worship service was scheduled for the night before, or All Hallows Eve, later shortened to Halloween, and Luther knew that the church would be packed. When Luther posted the 95 Theses, the reaction was way beyond what he expected. It set into motion events that changed the world. Reformation Sunday is a celebration of our freedom. We are set free from sin, death, and the power of the devil by God. There won't be any costumes or lawn decorations, no specially themed movies or TV shows or parties. But I don't think I'm exaggerating or engaging in a bit of Lutheran chauvinism here when I say that we will celebrate events that changed our lives, all of us. A few years ago, the History Channel asked its viewers for their opinions of who were the most influential persons of the past 1,000 years. Martin Luther was second. Gutenberg and the invention of the printing press was first. And it's interesting that they both happened at about the same time. Because he protested the abuses of the Roman Catholic Church of his day, Martin Luther was called a Protestant. It wasn't a very nice thing to call somebody then. He was the first Protestant. All other Protestant churches followed Luther's witness. Reverend Martin Luther King Sr. was born Michael King and named his son Michael King Jr. But when the senior Reverend King traveled to Germany for a Baptist church conference in 1934, he was so impressed with Martin Luther that he changed his name to Martin Luther King Sr. and his five-year-old sons to Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther had been a young man on the move. His father wanted him to be a lawyer and be rich, and that's where young Martin was heading. Then Luther was walking across a field when he got caught in a lightning storm. He prayed to his saint, St. Anne, as a good Catholic young man would, 
and said that if she saved him from this storm, that he would show his gratitude by becoming a monk. He was not hurt, and much to his father's chagrin, he became an Augustinian monk. The more he studied the scriptures, however, the more Luther became absolutely convinced that he was going to hell. Even when he spent an entire day praying, going to Mass, and reading the Bible, and coming to the end of day and feeling good that at least he had spent one day without sinning, he realized that he had committed the sin of pride. His superiors sent him to teach the Bible at the University of Wittenberg, and in his preparation, he discovered a verse where the Latin Vulgate had been translated from the original Greek metanoia, to turn around or to repent, into the Latin poinitentia, or to do penance. That is, the Roman Catholic Church, the church in the West, was teaching that you could get into heaven by doing good works, and not by repentance and faith, a change of heart which then produced good works. The church had been selling indulgences, which Luther believed to be in conflict with the fundamental teaching of Scripture, that we are put right with God through faith, through a gift of God's grace. The church was raising money to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Indulgences were a promise of time off from purgatory that the church had figured was a place for those who weren't bad enough for hell, but not good enough to get into heaven. And the church said that the church could decide who could get out of purgatory. And the church had decided that a contribution to its building fund would be such a good work. Doing penance meant you could do good stuff in this life to make up for the bad stuff. The church was selling indulgences. It promised that it would reward a good deed with time off from purgatory for yourself or a loved one, because you wouldn't want grandma to be in purgatory, would you? By buying that time off with a contribution. Luther looked to the witness of Scripture and said that the whole idea of indulgences was not biblical and was ridiculous. Luther drew his beliefs on the nature of salvation from the Bible and the Bible alone, from texts like Paul's letter to the church at Rome in Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. And Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And the Gospel of John, chapter 8, starting with the 33rd verse. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. On October 31st, he nailed 95 theses, plural of thesis, as when a PhD student comes up with an original idea, or thesis, that he or she must successfully defend in order to qualify for his or her degree. 
to the doors of the church to argue against indulgences. He said that if the church was in charge of purgatory, the Pope should let everybody go to heaven out of pure Christian compassion, not for money. He didn't want to leave the Catholic Church, and he didn't. He wanted to reform it. He wanted to debate the idea of indulgences. The Church, particularly the Pope, who Luther saw as unnecessary, did not want to hear it. Under trial for heresy, the punishment could have included excommunication, imprisonment, torture, and death. At the end of one of his trials in Worms, Germany, Luther was being tried before the head of the government, the Holy Roman Emperor, and was accused of being vague in his defense of his written works. Luther replied, Since then your serene majesty and your lordships seek a simple answer, I will give it in this manner, neither horned nor toothed. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. My conscience is captive to the word of God. It is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. That was Luther's defense. This may seem like a mild argument, but to those hearing it, or hearing of it, it was mind-blowing. Luther lived when the Church and its teaching were everything and in everything. One of its teachings, in a time when the Church and State were almost indistinguishable, were that both the Pope and the Emperor were put in their positions by God. To go against either one was not to enter into a dialogue over a reasonable disagreement, but to go against God. It was seen as a revolutionary act. I think that we can draw a straight line from Luther's idea that the individual is responsible for acting on his or her own conscience, not the dictates of those in authority, to the idea of democracy in the West. Luther was convicted by the Church and declared a heretic, and by the Holy Roman Emperor and declared an outlaw, and at one time the Pope declared that anyone who murdered Luther would not be sinning. Luther came along at the right time, however. The German princes were promoting nationalism, a breaking away from the Holy Roman Empire, so they protected Luther. They figured that anything that weakened the Roman Church would weaken the Roman Empire. And the printing press had just been invented. Luther's 95 theses were printed in bulk and in two weeks were being read in Spain. That was viral media in those days. Luther later published such a mountain of work that there are now 61 volumes of Lutheran works published in English, with more releases planned through at least 2026. And, in the course of the Reformation, Luther brought in revolutions. Does your congregation sing during worship? Thank Martin Luther. He brought in congregational singing, which had previously been done by monks. He declared the freedom of priests to marry, something for which I am grateful. Can you read the Bible? Luther translated the Bible into German, the language of the people, and for the first time in a thousand years, people could read the Bible in their own language, not Latin, the language of the educated, which were at the time pretty much only priests. Principles of translation he invented are still in use today. 
Luther recovered the biblical good news of salvation by faith alone, through grace alone, not by our efforts, revealed by the Bible alone, and not by human authority. Luther taught that God ruled the world through two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world, so that governments are to be measured by what God is calling them to do, and through the kingdom of God at work in the church, to be measured by what God is calling it to do. Luther taught that every form of legitimate work had value and dignity, that every person has a vocation, a calling, and that none is holier or more valued than another. Luther even reformed beer. The Roman Catholic Church taxed herbs and botanicals that had been used to brew beer, and some people in Germany had already been using hops in protest. Luther promoted the use of hops as a superior alternative and so contributed to the way beer tastes and is preserved today. Today we say that the Church is always reforming. It is in no less need of reformation than it was in 1517. It constantly needs to be called to Scripture alone as the only source of our belief and conduct, to teach salvation through faith alone, through God's grace alone. This week, I recommend that we spend some time in Reform School. This is a good week to read a book or do an online search for something about the Reformation and what it has given to us and to the world. Even better, in the spirit of the Reformation, spend some time reading the Bible and consider what in the Church needs reforming today. Consider what it means for us to say, My conscience is captive to the Word of God, and resolve to live by it. Jesus has set us free, so we are free indeed. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccine, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal, and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses, and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross, so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Get your vaccine. It is the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Avoid crowds if you can and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. 
Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.